0: Welcome to Mammal Talk, the companion podcast for the Blood Bowl Mid-Atlantic Mauling League. In this episode, we're talking about the Dungeon Bowl, week number three. Welcome to episode 17. This is season two, Dungeon Bowl, week three. A lot of great games in this week a lot of brilliant games. We have uh, a chess match in particular that was just absolutely fascinating. So uh, I hope you enjoy. And without further ado, let's get right into it. I am joined here for this episode by Artificial Bunny once again. How's it going, man? Great to be here glad to have you boy we're uh we're talking about week three huh (laughs) it was
1: an exciting week
0: uh is that is that what we're calling it (laughs) Uh, a heartbreaking week (laughs) uh yeah yeah for some of us (laughs) uh week three a dramatic week a dramatic week it was a dramatic week Uh, all right, so week three just finished up. We just started week four. Week three was the, the middle, uh, the midpoint of round robin. This is where uh, standings start to get set, where teams really start to have to think about how they're going to get that next win, how they're going to make it into the top two. Six games each week. Let's start with Division A. and Man... First game of Division A, take away, take the bat, a minor matter. That was my team versus your team.
1: Are you sure you're okay talking about
0: this? Uh, why do we just get it over with? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'd come in down a bunch of TV, you'd pick up Skitter and a, a mercenary lineman. So what yeah. What was what was up with that?
1: Uh, I was down so much strength versus your team. I wanted the merc lineman for that strength three just to... Give myself one more player that could actually stand up to an elf, and then Skitter was something I wanted to try. I knew you were going to try and uh, bust a cage at some point, and if my uh, Sure Hands players were tied up, I wanted someone who could uh, maybe put a little shadowing on on the War Dancer and make it harder for them to dodge out, and also. I figured stab against an elf team is probably not a bad idea. I think it's a forty-something percent chance to break armor with them.
0: Yeah. So Skitter's the uh, Skaven player. He's he's what's his MA? He's not a gutter runner, is he? Is he MA nine?
1: He's MA nine. So yeah, that was that was the other thing. <laughs>
0: Very fast. He has shadowing which you mentioned which is basically you roll a die and uh if you succeed on the die roll uh when when somebody tries to dodge away from you 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 shadow them you follow them uh and then stab is just a straight up armor roll you don't have to make the block roll you go straight to armor and it's not a turnover if you fail so stab's a really great skill
1: yeah and he also has prehensile tail which uh at strength two isn't exactly the strongest
0: but otherwise good for try all things being equal try trying to negate that dodge away
1: yeah I figured he would also make a decent ball carrier if, like some of my players went down
0: sure uh, sure he's got the speed for sure what was his uh what was his AG three
1: uh, I think his AG is four
0: man disgusting
1: <laughs> yeah he's basically a gutter runner with some
0: extra bits some cool skills all right well take the wood take the bed that's my team uh so naturally i'm going to be salty about this <laughs> 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 can you can you tell who won <laughs> <laughs> on turn two uh, we we'd send the war dancer down pitch as you do as, a, as an elven team that throws you'll send players down pitch we sent one contingent down the right wide zone and we left that dancer too close to the sideline. And what happened? Why don't you tell me what happened to him? Surf's up, baby. Surf was indeed up. <laughs> 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 Got surfed off the pitch. That was an error on Take the Wood, Take the Vets part for sure. That's something that players need to be, or coaches rather, need to be careful of, right? It's easy to understand that you want to stay off the sideline to not get surfed. It's easy to understand that you probably want to be two off the sideline if you don't want to get frenzied surfed, but you can still get surfed two spaces away if your opponent sets up the, his assists or sets up players in such a way. So when you take a block, right? If you get pushed, you have the, the attacker, again, all things being equal, there's skills like sidestep that can change this. But the attacker, if he pushes you back, he gets to decide which of the three spaces directly behind the player that the the blocked player is going to get pushed to if one of those if any one of those spaces is occupied or any two if any one or any two we'll say uh, he can't get pushed there if all three are occupied then he can get pushed in any one and it's known as a chain push so what you can do right is you can block two spaces so that the only place you can go on the next push is off the pitch So that's something to be careful of. That's something we were not careful of. We lost a dancer pretty early.
1: Yeah, I've really been trying to work on those uh, chain pushes and seeing where surfs are possible.
0: Well, you did well there. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. On turn three, Take the Wood, Take the Bad would have sort of two blocks of players, right? There are basically two big blobs of players on the pitch. You don't really see this a lot with Wood Elf teams. I didn't really intend to do it. But that's how it worked out. There was the cage and there was everybody else just a a few spaces away forward of the cage. Uh, That allowed you to mark all those players pretty effectively, right? Again, Mm -hmm. elves tend to just, especially if they have a passing game, they just want to spread out. They want to put some players out there, get down pitch as fast as you can. And now the defense has to cover everyone and everything, right? They need to cover all the players down pitch. They need to cover the runner. They need to cover people in the stands. They need to cover the parking lot. (laughs) But that didn't happen here, and you were able to get marks on everyone effectively. In fact, you got a mark on the cage. Uh, really smart play where uh, you pulled your mark in the cage down below the cage, behind the cage, so that it was a forced dodge regardless of where the ball carrier went. Uh, and that's what you want to do against your opponent, right? You want to make them chuck dice, chuck as many dice as possible, because this is a game about luck mitigation. If you can make your opponent chance the dice more than you can, then you're doing something right. Oh boy, so this all led to me getting a little spooked, a little spooked on turn four. I moved the ball out to the left wide zone. I moved a player down into the end zone uh, and I moved the player out undefended into the left wide zone because I didn't want to chance the interception, right? I don't, I don't want to roll more dice. I want to roll less dice. So Didn't want to chance the interception. Sent the player in the left wide zone. But man, it was a sunny day out that day. It was a bright, sunny day. Not a nice day. And that ended up giving a minus one on the pass. That made it a five plus on this pass, which was not good. To make matters worse, uh, I apparently can't count. (laughs) <laughs> Despite going to school for math, I can't count. <laughs> and uh miscalculated the, the pass distance. So I after my full movement, I thought, oh, if I take two GFIs, I can turn this into a short pass. How great for me. Let's take the two GFIs. I take the two GFIs to succeed, it's still a long pass. <laughs> so now I rolled two extra dice I didn't have to roll. <laughs> Still a 5-plus on the pass. This is not going to work out. The pass fails. Uh, The ball uh, fumbles. It scatters right behind the unprotected ball carrier. That's going to allow you to pounce on the ball. And that's exactly what you do. You ended up... You you killed a lineman in the process. That was a level 2 lineman. You picked up the ball. You caged it up. There was nowhere there to defend... Uh, We tried to defend with three players. That's apparently not enough players. (laughs) Uh, And you ended up scoring on turn seven, one to zero. Well done to you and your team.
1: Yeah, this whole game was pretty much the exact opposite of what happened in our last game together. (laughs) I think the last one, (laughs) I ended up being down to like four or five players on on the pitch against almost your entire elf team and
0: yeah we're both we're both pretty fragile teams right we have 87 across the board pretty much yeah
1: that additional mighty blow that i picked up in the meantime definitely helped a little bit
0: mighty blow is great mighty blow gives you that plus one to your armor roll or your injury roll whichever one you need it for it's a great skill to have second half of the game you'd have a three-man player advantage it was 11 v8 on the pitch How'd you feel going in the second half? How were you feeling? You had to feel pretty confident, yeah?
1: It felt good to be up players, but I still didn't want to underestimate the Wood Elves. They're still dangerous with even just four players.
0: Yeah, and, and you definitely, you definitely want to be careful of that kicker who will never be set up in the correct position <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> take the take the bat uh, Again, this is... I guess the third time in this competition misplaced the kicker. So the kicker can only be activated if he's not on the line or in either wide zone. The kicker was placed in the wide zone. Couldn't be used. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So that's TV that has gone up in smoke.
1: (laughs) I'm surprised that they still haven't fixed that bug.
0: Oh yeah. There's the bug with the uh, kicker. Yeah. If you don't place your kicker in a legal position, you can never use them again. For the rest of the game, provided whoever originally kicked is still on the pitch. Oh boy! So we would we would desperately so we're on defense. Take the wood, take the bats on defense. Would desperately try to get this ball back with a leap blitz. That failed. It was a desperate play. Uh, I don't think it was a good play. It allowed uh, you guys to score unhindered. You just said, "All right, fine. Blitz didn't work. We're just gonna scoot on over to the right side of the pitch." You're not there. We're going to end up scoring. What did you think about that leap, Links Was this was this a tactical mistake? Was this just a little... Not even a little. Was this just way too risky?
1: It, in my opinion, yeah. Uh, since I had the sure hands on the ball carrier at that point, it was pretty risky. <laughs> it eliminated a lot of that danger from the strip ball. Made it just that much safer for me.
0: Yeah, I I think that was just a bad tilted play <laughs> That's <what> I think <laughs> that was. Uh, we'd get one more opportunity to try the strip ball blitz uh, the ball would scatter into a place that was well protected by a minor matter that allow you to pick up the, that ball
1: i was so disappointed that the skitter trap didn't work at that point <laughs> oh, yeah, the, uh... <laughs> I, I had him set up next to the blitzer figuring that his shadowing and prehensile tail would be a little more of a danger to your war dancer, but it didn't work out for me, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, the Blitzer <laughs> got away. so you take the lead two to zero, uh, toward the end of the game around turn 15, uh, take the wood, take the bat would have the kicker trying to score. So this is just another attempt to get some, get some TDs, get some SPP, get down the pitch. Oh, that, that kicker, that poor fella, he'd get killed by the blitz, murdered. A murder on the pitch. Thankfully, we have Doogie Hauser, who is, in fact, an elf. He ended up uh, saving the kicker who has a damaged back instead. Finally, you'd pick up the ball. You'd recover the ball after that blitz. Uh, we would intercept it, which would give us one more chance to try to score with the War Dancer, but the War Dancer would get taken off the pitch. I can't remember why. I think it was an injury, a, a non permanent injury, just a badly, badly injured.
1: I've thrown so many interceptions this uh, <laughs> competition. <laughs> They're so unlikely, and yeah, here we go.
0: <laughs> take the win, take the bad would put a final capstone on this on this game of terrible plays <laughs> by making one final mistake. They wanted to go for the blitz on turn sixteen just to try to put some hurt on a minor matter. They'd have to dodge away to to get the the free blitz. Failed the dodge, got injured. <laughs> and the lineman was injured with a smash tip. Wonderful. <laughs> what did you think of this game? Well, let me tell you what I thought about this game as as the opponent. You know, typically when, when we talk about games, it's it's hard it's hard to talk about the other coaches because you can only see what you can see, right? You you don't know what's going on in their head, you don't know what they were thinking. But when it's your game, you do know what you were thinking. And I can tell you what I was thinking. I was tilted. I was scared. <laughs> In the first half, and I was like, oh, I, I got to move, I got to score, I got to move, I got to score. I don't think that was true. I think I should have played proper Blood Bowl, played a little more conservatively, played a little more Blood bowl rather than just going for the big play. Uh, because I was nervous and tilted, I made mistakes, you know, I misplaced players, uh, you know, I, I miscalculate passes. Uh, and then at the end, I'm like, oh, you know what? Whatever, go for the blitz. And then that cost me. A smash tip that's uh that's bad play <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this game
1: i was i was surprised to be honest i was really worried since you had just absolutely stomped me the last time we played <laughs> <laughs> against each other and so i was trying to just be as focused as possible and keep everything locked down where i could and i think it worked out
0: You did a good job. You're at the top of the division, so uh, congratulations to you. For now. (laughs) (laughs) For now. There's still two weeks left. Yeah. (laughs) So far, so good.
1: We'll see. I'll do what I can.
0: Second game of the week in Division A was Tainted Cocktails at Womb Guardians. This was Chaos at Camry, Malik at El Nuberino. The Womb Guardians would be the ones down on TV. They'd pick up a wizard. They'd pick up Hack, and they'd pick up Ali Babad. I thought this was an interesting combination. What, what do you think about this combination of, of star players? Yeah,
1: it's not a terrible combination, but I think rather than taking the wizard, I think bribes would have been a good plan
0: to keep uh, to keep the secret weapon on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I tend to agree. Wizards, I think, are always solid, but if you're going to go with a secret weapon. I think it's probably better to spend that money on keeping that secret weapon on the pitch a little bit longer. tight of Cocktails. I, I've i said it a lot. You know, I don't put a lot of money into cheerleaders or assistant coaches. Coach assistants, as the game calls it. But man, he has. And I, I think that's working out for him. He had a solid staff to win the kickoff events. He'd start this game with an extra TRR. Well done. I mean... Cheering fans and brilliant coaching; those are two of the most common results on the kickoff event table. Malik recognizes this. He spends some a little bit of money he, to make sure he's got more cheerleaders, more assistant coaches, and he's got the fan factor, or uh, yeah, the fan factor, just by having played all season. Not so bad, I think.
1: Yeah, it's not a super common tactic, but it's really worked out for him so far.
0: Yeah, I, again, I, I tend to think that that's money better spent on other things like, uh, or that's TV that's better utilized on a skill or maybe a lion or something, but I, I think this has been working out for him. So I, I commend him on that. He, he saw sort of a gap that nobody was taking advantage of. He took advantage of it and it's working out for him. Ted Cocktails on offense would have, uh, I'm sorry, uh the Womb Guardians on would have hacked really close to that defensive line. Tentacacos would be on offense to start the game. Just one space off of that offensive line. That was just a plain mistake.
1: Yeah, I I feel like having a chainsaw on defense is a little risky.
0: It is a little risky. Having him up that close was super risky. And Malik, kudos to him for identifying it. He said, uh, you know what? Perfect. There's a hole. Right in the center of the defensive line, I'm going to block down a player. I'm going to get the blitz on Hack. Hack, by the way, is a Goblin Loony. And sure enough, took him out of the game. Uh, really well done. Really, really good identification, I think, by Malik. Typically, when, uh, especially with a Bashy team like a Chaos team, when you blitz, you don't want to blitz willy nilly. You want to blitz considered. You're like, I'm going to take that player out because. And that could be any number of reasons: because he's brittle, because he's a high-dollar player, because he's a scary player that can murder me.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and and Malik saw this. He saw Hack, and he said, "Boom! I got gotcha.
1: you." Yeah, that was that must have been really heartbreaking for uh, New Bruno <laughs> at
0: that point. For sure, first for sure.
1: first turn doesn't even <laughs> get to use him.
0: uh Cocktails had an excellent drive. That first drive of the game was. Maybe one of his best in his career, I think. Uh, He identified lanes down the pitch. He moved his cage down those lanes. He identified key blocks. He made good marks. There was really nothing Womb Guardians could do, I think, to stop him. He would end up scoring on turn five and go up one to zero. Just a, a textbook chaos drive, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it was brilliant.
0: I struggle. I mean, maybe... Maybe you have some insight here, but I struggle to think of anything he could have done better. I mean, from that opening move to take out hack to just getting that, just there's a hole right there. Boom. I'm going to take it. Oh, this guy can get to my cage or my ball carrier. I'm going to set up tackle zones. I'm going to exert pitch control. Was there anything he could have done better? I thought it was just absolutely superlative.
1: The only thing I think he could have done better is maybe delay it a turn or two just to eliminate the possibility of a score back on the first half but Fair yeah, enough. Fair all enough. in all i think it was perfect
0: yeah uh, and that's a good point you know if if you can stall you tend to want to you don't want to give your opponent an opportunity to score obviously uh the womb guardians would be up on the next drive of course they put the ball in the hands of uh, a block skeleton, Now, uh, a block skeleton, meaning a skeleton with a block skull. I thought this was a good call by El Nubarino. He doesn't have a lot of skill. Really, all Kemri low TV Kemri has going for it are the Tomb Guardians. Um, and that's just their high strength. They, they have nothing else. They have absolutely <laughs> nothing else.
1: The Blitzers starting with block are decent.
0: That's that's most blitzers though. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's most blitzers. <laughs> I'm
1: I am surprised that he hasn't picked up a second one. I'll have to say.
0: That that yeah I I find that probably make well. his
1: work a little easier.
0: Sure, but he put the he put the ball in the hands of a, a skeleton with block, which I thought was a good uh, a good idea. Typically, you know, well not typically, but new coaches will see block as sort of an offensive skill or a or an aggressive skill. I have block. I'm going to go take a block. But block makes you safer as well, right? Like if somebody blocks you, both down result gets rolled, you're okay. So I thought that was a good good choice by El Nuburino here as a ball carrier. Unfortunately, he wouldn't have a lot of, turn, uh, a lot of time left uh, in the first half. He was under the gun. Uh, he'd open a hole down center pitch and he'd run through it with no protection. Honestly, I'm not sure what else he could have done if he wanted to score, which clearly he did. Uh, but the ball carrier would get blitzed down and would get injured. Unfortunately for him. Tinta Cocktails would recover to end the half. They would be in the lead one to zero. Then in the second half, the Womb Guardians would be on offense again here. They they started the first half on defense. Tinta Cocktail would titch would titch, would kick for a touchback. I thought this was a mistake on their part. I would have kicked the ball, so they don't have a kicker, so they can't make the kick safe. I would have kicked dead center.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he might've been trying to get it back a little bit just to give the Kemri a little bit harder of a time, but it didn't work out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kemri the highest AG they have is two. So, so long as it's on the pitch, force them to pick that ball up because <laughs> they're going to spend <laughs> at least a turn <laughs> picking that ball up.
1: Yeah. And with only one re-roll, it's really
0: tough. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, Right, the Womb Guardians only have the one re-roll. Uh, Kemri's just... Their biggest weakness is this low AG, right? So much of Blood Bowl is centered around making agility rolls. And with having such low agility, that makes a large part of the game really tough. Again, I think they only have the, the Tomb Guardians. I, I think that's their only real advantage. But being so low in AG makes everything tough. Oh, yeah. Like, you can't even pick up the ball! <laughs> Yeah. Can't dodge. Can't pick <laughs> up the ball. You can look menacing. That's what you can do. Uh, Tainted Cocktails would apply strong pressure to the guardi- uh, The Tomb Guardian's cage. Tomb Guardian's? Womb Guardian's cage. They'd get the ball and run a lone beastman toward the end zone. So they'd recover this ball. They'd run a lone beastman toward the end zone. Okay. I, I, I can dig it. But then the Guardians would spend the wizard lightning bolt. I think this was a good spend. So mm-hmm. a wizard... You can either cast a fireball, which is a 3 by 3 grid, and everybody in that 3x3 three three grid on a 4+, plus gets knocked down, and then you go through the whole knockdown armor break procedure. Or, in a single space, you can cast a lightning bolt on a 2+, plus. that works out. Both of these are very, very good spells. I think he had to use the lightning bolt here to stop the TD. The problem is he didn't really have anybody in position to go get that ball. That's the unfortunate part, I think. And that's largely because he's (laughs) Camry. It's just (laughs) tough.
1: Yeah, they are. Oh, man. In addition to the low AG, most of them have pretty low uh, movement, which just makes it tough to get them where they need to be.
0: Yeah, it really does. Um, And and because of that, uh, unfortunately, he had to spend the wizard again. I think he had to spend it. But Tentacocco would end up scoring on, on turn 10. That's the second turn of the second quarter two to zero <laughs> so that's a defensive score for take the cocktails they increase their lead two to zero once you're up by two points it is all but in the bag you're not out but man it that's a tough that's a tough hill to climb at that point
1: except if you're against elves as we were talking about <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's very true uh the womb guardians up on offense again i, I thought they'd do a, a pretty fantastic job opening a hole. This is the second time he opened up a solid hole and moved the ball down pitch. Uh, But this time, he'd be able to to capitalize on it. So he identified a hole in the defense, blocked it down, moved the players down through that hole, and he'd end up being able to score on turn 16. Now, of course, you can't win the game, but that's still a TD. That's still SPP. Uh, And I thought that was really well done, especially with this Kemry team. I, I thought Elney Marino played a really good offense in this game.
1: Yeah, and it was a good player to score with because I think that leveled him up.
0: Oh, good call. Yeah. If you can get that level up, all the better. We talked about it a little bit, but Kemri offense, because they have approximately, uh, I mentioned I went to school for math, so I can do this complicated math in my head. <laughs> Carry the two, divide by pi. Approximately uh, no advantages whatsoever as a team. Uh, there, there's two main, <laughs> There's two. that's not true, they have the Tomb Guardians. But they, they have two have, main. <laughs> they have
1: five big guys with no traits, So it's, uh. That's true. That's very true.
0: <laughs> the Tomb of Guardians, strength of five. They're very strong. And yeah, there's nothing, there's no, there's no negatraits to, to deal with. There's, you don't have to worry about wild animal or any of that nonsense. You just have four really strong guys on the pitch. And that's, that is good, but it's all they have. And because of that, on offense, there's really, in my opinion, there's only two ways you can really play that. You can either play for pitch control. That means you want to leverage that strength. You want to control where people could go on the pitch. That means both you and your opponent. Or you can use those Tomb Guardians to just go out there and punch people in the face, right? You can either use them to tie up key players, and you can tie up things like Bull Centaurs, right? Bull Centaurs with a strength of four, but an AG of two, that's a great tie-up. Um, Oh, yeah. Or just make those key blocks, just bash people in the head. But that's it. That's all you can do. I'm just happy
1: that they don't come with Mighty Blow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that would be scary. (laughs) The Womb Guardians, unfortunately, would lose their MVP to Hack. Hack. So star players, anybody who takes the pitch can be an MVP. That includes star players and journeymen and the like. And Hack would be the MVP. You cannot hire a star player. They are natural loners, and so that is 5 SPP that he just lost. That's really unfortunate for the Guardians. they only Ugh. pick up 3. Yeah, 3 for a game is so low. What did you think about this game? What did you think about both coaches' play, and what do you think about this Kemri team?
1: It was an interesting game to watch. The Kemri team did a lot better than I would have expected for only having
0: one reroll.
1: That just seems insane to me with that little ag but he's
0: making it work <laughs> uh, he he's i think he's doing a fantastic job with this with a team that i think is bad <laughs> so yeah uh, again i was really impressed with his offense uh, i thought he did a really great job scoring especially at all against this chaos team that that has a, a few more skills than he does
1: yeah and Tanner cocktails is really developed well too so i
0: yeah, both, I think he, both as a team and as a coach, I would say. He had a
1: really, uh, really big match stacked against him, and he did pretty well.
0: Yeah, did did great. Won that game 2-1. to one. Final game of Division A was Jingles All the Way at Nurgle Burgle Boys. Jingles All the Way is an Orc team coached by the current Dungeon Bowl champion, Vendor, and he would be up against a Nurgle team coached by Nick Satan, the current league champion. This is an Orc team good team versus a Nurgle team, bad team. The, the Nurgle Burgle boys would start off on offense in this game. There'd be a shallow kick by Jingles all the way into the hands of a rotter near the line of scrimmage. And I think this was Nick Satan's first mistake in this game. Uh, he's already playing a, a tough team to play. Mm-hmm. And when you, whenever you're playing a tough team to play, whether it's Nurgle, whether it's Kemery, all your mistakes – are amplified, right? Like it's all it's already an uphill battle. Whenever you make a mistake, that's knocks you down so much further. He would move the rotter right behind the line. The the rider that picked up this ball. Just right behind his offensive line. I think he should have moved him back a little bit and made him safer, because this put him in range to be in danger.
1: Yeah. It was a rough first turn, I'll have to say. <laughs> it hurt to watch.
0: Yeah, they would He'd moved the player up to the line, didn't get any protection on the ball first. Uh, once he moved the player, he then lost the turn. He had a lost turn due to quad skulls against uh, a black orc with the block skill. Now, he took this block on the right side of the line. That's where the, that's where the ball carrier was. There was a black orc on the left side of the line. He could take in the exact same block, but the black orc did not have the block skill. I think he probably should have started with that one rather than with this one but got quad skulls. He ended up knocking himself down. The Blackwork remained standing, and now the ball carrier was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. That would end up exposing the ball carrier.
1: That, that was just like the worst uh, <laughs> luck he could have had pretty much in rolling quad skulls right then.
0: Yeah, I think it set the tempo for the remainder of this drive, in fact.
1: He really uh, recovered, though, in the next, in the next turn, though. As I uh, yeah,
0: uh, he tried. <laughs> He's, he, he, he tried hard, in my opinion. He'd end up moving that cage to the left side of the line. So he'd hold on to the ball after this. Uh, after Jingles All The Way, identified the gap, placed a lot of pressure on him. He moved laterally to the left. But Jingles All The Way was just ruthless. They would not stop. Uh, they kept applying that pressure. They knew they had the momentum. Uh, they didn't want to give it up. They were really directing where Nurgle Burgle Boys were going to go, right? Nurgle Burgle Boys always had to be escaping. They weren't the ones deciding where the offense was going to go. And they're up against this really bashy team. Like, orcs are the canonical bashy team. You buy a box of, you buy a a brand new game of Blood Bowl. What do you get in the box? You get humans, you get orcs. (laughs) So. They're a very good team, in my opinion. They're very scary. They have those four blackwork blockers. They all have a strength of four. So the Nurgle Burger Boys, they, after the pressure continues to be applied, they shift back to the right. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so they're just dodging away from Jingles all the way. I think Jingles all the way did a good job with this defense, not just with applying this pressure, but they also kept a secondary back just in case. Just in case the Nurgle Burger Boys broke away with a run they, they had three players in the backfield. They were like, eh, don't try it. Don't even think about it. <laughs> Very good play by Wenger, I thought.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: On turn five, uh, the Nurgle Burger boys would have to retreat. So they were moving left. They were moving right. They were moving back to the left. They eventually had nowhere to go due to this relentless pressure by Jingles all the way. And they just had to move backward. <laughs> that's That's always tough to eat when you just have to lose yardage. Uh, they ended up getting pushed all the way back to their own 16-yard line. They would end up trying to punt. They were marked. It was it was a Hail Mary to no one. Uh, it was a 6-plus to punt. Uh, that's a 30.5% chance to fail. It's 11 out of 36. Uh, he has to roll a 6, right? So you have 11 ways to roll that, and uh, that's not great odds. It didn't work out, unfortunately. Uh, I think that was... I don't know if that was the right. Call. I think punting was the right call. I think maybe I would have tried to dodge first. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's tough when you're under the gun like that.
1: Yeah the the defense that Jingles was uh, showing was just incredible.
0: Yeah, really well done. Like uh, I think Wenger. I, I don't know for sure, but I think Wenger feels at home with an orc team. Like he he knows how to play them, uh, and he plays them well. He won. He won last season. He won the dungeon bowl last season with an orc team. But the boys would fail on the punt. Jingles all the way would recover and score one to zero. I, again, what a what relentless, what fantastic defense by Jingles all the way. I, I think if I were Nick Satan at that point, I'd I'd be scratching my head. I'm like, ah, oh, did it all go wrong?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It seems like most of the scores. In- this week have been on defense <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah fantastic defenses uh, recovering the ball to score uh nurgle burger boys they'd have a final drive in the first court uh first half uh, they needed a riot to try to score they got it hooray so they got that extra turn that they needed they have two turns left so they said let's do it let's go they would, very first action they take is to send a rotter down the pitch to try to put him in a scoring position. He'd fail the GFI because Nuffle has a sense of humor.
1: Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, that that hurt to watch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I you know, I appreciate the effort. You you get that extra turn you need, why not? Let's go. Let's go. Let's try to win. Let's try to score. Let's do it. On the second half, Jingles all the way would be on offense. Uh, and I found this interesting on offense. He played, he played such a killer defense, but I was a little confused on offense. He, he, the ball would get kicked into the right wide zone and he would just set up there. He stayed put right where the ball was for an entire quarter and the Nurgle Burgle boys would continue to apply pressure to that ball carrier. He would stay in that right wide zone, in fact, until turn 14. Should they have been trying to work that ball back towards center pitch? Or, or was this okay it looked like he was in a
1: pretty defensible position at that point so i don't think he was wrong to keep it there and it wasn't like he needed extra scoring for for the win
0: that's true and, and but because of that i would have ran i would have ran i would have just i said you know what if you're gonna send some guys this way i'm gonna move my guys that way and you're gonna have to chase me for some turns <laughs> but fair enough uh there, the Nurgle-Burgle Boys would end up being able to blitz the ball carrier. The ball would scatter out of bounds, but it didn't get thrown back in anywhere useful for the Nurgle-Burgle Boys. <laughs> and that would be the end of the game, effectively. Uh, Jingles all the way would win this 1-0. to zero. Uh, How do you think this game played out?
1: It was great. It was pretty tense to watch. Definitely some killer defense in the first half there.
0: I think the Nurgle-Burgle Boys... So I don't think Nurgle's a great team, but I think the Nurgle-Burgle Boys lost on that ball carrier movement, right to the line. I think on that very first turn, that sent the tone for that entire first half. And that was their half to to be on offense. Uh, I think they lost it right at that moment.
1: Yeah. It, it did seem like he uh, was able to recover pretty well right away, though. Fair enough. He, He did a really good job there. I thought
0: he held on to it for a long time. He was able to retain the ball for as long as he could. But man, I, again, this is Blood Bowl. I've talked about it a million times, but you have so much agency. There's so many choices to make and you have a two-minute time limit to make these, for for the most part, right? When you're in-game, you have a two-minute time limit to make these choices. One mistake can cost you a game. I, I know this intimately. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, and that's what makes this game exciting, I think. Uh, you've know you got to have a plan. you got to have a plan both in-game and out-of-game. And uh, especially when you're playing a really tough team like uh, the Nergal... Or uh, like a Nurgle team, a, a team that's really hard to to really get going. It can be tough to make it work. Uh, I don't think the Nurgle-Burgle boys are in contention at this point. I, I don't think they're going to make the top two, but that's okay. Nick Satan has already earned a spot in the Blood Bowl. He's in the upper bracket with that stupid lizard team. <laughs> 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 so we'll definitely see him in the Blood Bowl. Division B. Three games in Division B in Week 3. We'll start off with Bonsai Legends at Nehide and Nuffle. Bonsai Legends coached by Berserker Tempest. This is an Underworld team, your brethren. And Nehide Nuffle, coached by Clifius. He's This one. <laughs> this game. had <laughs> coached by Clypheus He's the current Chaos Cup champion. He is uh, Chaos Dwarves. So, Bazi Legends, a brand new team it, this season. They had a ton of petty cash. They picked up a Wizard. That's great. And they picked up a chef, a halfling master chef. They, at the beginning of each half, they roll 3d6 on each four plus. They steal a re-roll from the opposing team. What a great pickup. What a great pickup.
1: And the heat.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. There was sweltering heat in this game. <laughs> we had a, a full game of sweltering heat. <laughs> sweltering heat means after, after the first drive, after the drive where sweltering heat occurs, in this case... It was at the start of the game. So the first drive was safe. After that, players can just get knocked out for the entire drive due to heat stroke. <laughs> so Southern Heat can really change a drive. You're, you're always afraid to score because you have no idea what's going to happen on the next drive.
1: Yeah, and with uh, fairly fast scoring teams on both sides, it's, it can really uh, mess things up.
0: Right. Bonsai Legends has those Skaven players, and Nihai Nuffal has those Bull Centaurs. Fast players. Uh, Bonsai Legends would end up stealing one TRR. They'd have four for the half. Uh, Nihide Nuffal would have just two, and there's a huge difference between two and three. Even just getting one, which is well within odds for a, a master chef on a team with three team re-rolls. What a great pickup. What a great pickup. Nihad Enoughle would end up spending three full turns trying to get the ball in the hands of a Bull Centaur. These Bull Centaurs only have an AG of two.
1: Oh man, that was so painful to watch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think he should have pulled the pulled the trigger on getting it in the hands of a hobgoblin earlier? I think he should have. I
1: oh yeah, absolutely. With only two re rolls, it's it's really tough to pick up with an AG
0: two player. Yeah, I, I understand what he's doing strategically, right? He's So, Clypheus, uh, as the Chaos Cup champion, he won the Chaos Cup with Nihide and Neffel, so he's already in the Blood Bowl in the upper bracket as well. He's trying to level up specific players. I get that, but man, I I think... Well, there's a time and a place for that. I I, I respect that from a strategic standpoint, but it is really hard in my head to ignore more tv versus more tv maybe spread out versus less tv on a specific person but maybe even more importantly getting the reroll on your winnings for the game so mm-hmm. man I, boy i every time he tried to get into that pool center i was like oh no i wouldn't i, I wouldn't <laughs>
1: Yeah, if they have the ball, it's hard to get it out of their hands, but getting it into their hands in the first place is really well. <laughs>
0: those are those are Chemry numbers. <laughs> so Bonsai Legends would eventually try to pick this ball up that Nehide and Nuffel could not. They'd fail to pick up, the ball would scatter out of bounds, and get thrown back in all the way at Nehide and Nuffel's 20-yard line. This made it a mad dash, a scramble for <laughs> both teams to just sprint toward this ball he had enough would get a bull centaur down there bonsai legends would get a skaven blitzer down there the skaven blitzer would actually pick up the ball but they're all by themselves
1: and only having three strength against that bull centaur is four yeah, yeah. nothing <laughs> nothing i'd want to be in the way of
0: i i think bonsai legends wouldn't want to be in the way of that either on turn five uh he had enough would blitz that ball carrier And the ball carrier, uh, or rather, the ball would scatter to the 24 yard line. So, this is right outside the end zone at this point. I think at this point in the game, it's turn five, you've pushed the ball back as basically as far as you can. I think as a defense, even if you don't recover this ball, you've done a pretty good job. I understand that it's very easy to try to pick up that ball and score, and you should. But even if you can't, I'd be pretty proud. I'd be pretty proud of the fact that. the, the the offense has the entire length of the pitch to go to try to score at this point. So he did amazing
1: considering how good Nihitenefel is at this point yeah. too.
0: He did a great job. He's a brand new underworld team versus a skilled up Chaos Dwarf team. I, I think I think he's super proud of this defense. I think he did a really good job. But it doesn't stop there because Bonsai Legends, they'd pick this ball up on turn five. Here's how they do it. They'd have a five plus dodge with the thrower. They'd fail the dodge. They'd spend the reroll. They'd make it. Then they had a three plus dodge. Then a three plus pickup. They'd make it with sure hands. They got the free reroll with sure hands. Then a three plus pass. They'd make it with the free reroll with pass. Then the three plus catch into the end zone to score and take the lead one to zero. Wow,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nuffle was kind.
0: <laughs> Nuffle was kind, uh, but also good job to Bonsai Legends maximizing the number of re rolls. Right, he had a team re roll that he spent. He got two free re rolls in that giant chain. Well done, well done, boy. I, uh, whenever I see a big chain like that, you know the, the league jokes a lot about the uh, the full pitch touchdown by by my human team in, in the first season uh but man that stuff's super exciting like you make 17 (laughs) die rolls yeah that's awesome (laughs) nuffle nuffle can be kind (laughs) Uh, on the second drive he had enough of wood Uh, lose a bull centaur due to the heat stroke that's unfortunate he really wants both of them out on the pitch uh, they'd move, uh, a number of players down pitch. I didn't understand what the point of this was. It was, uh, it was turn five-ish, turn six, maybe. Uh, they move another players down the pitch. they move, like, four players. These are chaos dwarfs. they move four players down pitch that didn't leave a lot to defend the ball carrier. I wasn't sure what the plan here was. Do you have any idea what he was thinking with this?
1: I would assume that he wanted to preemptively move them up. Well, he had the the space to move them because once they get marked, they're tough to move. That's that's the one drawback to those chaos dwarves.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, if he if he really wants to try to score then you might as well move when you can. That's that's fair enough. Uh, and they would try to move the ball forward. They try to move the ball forward uh, into a handoff, but they'd fail the handoff. And unfortunately, due to that, Bonsai Legends, unfortunately for Nihon and well, fortunately for Bonsai Legends, they'd uh, recover the ball and they'd score. And now they're up 2-0 before the half. Again, that is a great place to be. Oh, yeah. Bonsai Legends must have been feeling really confident at this point. They're like, I'm up 2-0. I'm up 2-0 against this Chaos Dwarf team. And I'm an Underworld team.
1: And it was the defense, too. Right. It wasn't even his half. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> So on the second half, uh, the master chef has to get rolled again, right? The chaos, or not the chaos master chef, the halfling master chef. This time, Bozai Legends steals two re rolls. So now they have five, and Nihai has one. Ah,
1: oh, that, that's ridiculous. That must have been heartbreaking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Having just one re roll means that you really have to be careful of what you spend it on, whatever you spend it on, you want to convert it into something that gets you on the board. But thankfully, Nehide and Nuffle, as their name suggests, they've, they've prayed, prayed to Nuffle. And on the kickoff event, they get back one reroll. So it'd be five to two. As you mentioned, Bonsai legends would be on offense in this half. And that because they were up two Oh, and they're on offense at the start of this half, the momentum is entirely in their hands. The momentum is completely in their control. They can do whatever they like. Now, they are brittle. If they want to go toe-to-toe, they'll probably lose players. So they maybe don't want to do that. But otherwise, I mean, honestly, they could get away with just stalling as long as they can and then punting the ball. Right? Mm-hmm. That would win them the game, I think. Uh, on turn, on turn nine... Uh, they still
1: ha- not super, it's still not super safe, but yeah.
0: Sure, sure. You still have to actually succeed on the pass. A punt in Blood Bowl is just a pass to nobody. You still have to actually be able to pass. But he does have that thrower.
1: Oh, and his thrower has accurate.
0: Yeah. That was a good pickup. Yeah, yeah that's a great pickup uh, on a passer. Uh On turn nine, Neon and Nuffel would use that the speed of the Bull Centaurs, right? So the Bull Centaurs have an MA of six. They have Sprint and Sure Feet. Sprint gives them three GFIs instead of two, and then Sure Feet gives them a reroll on a GFI. So that's effectively an MA of nine, and they leverage this speed. They just trample down pitch, bop, ba bop, ba bop, ba bop, bop. bop, 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 bop. Uh, they mark the ball carrier. Uh, they just blow right past the offensive line. They mark the ball carrier. Why not? Right? Why not? You're down 2-0. You're on defense. If you want to win this game, you got to get in there quick. Uh, just like you, you mentioned on that second drive, he wanted to pull play, move players down pitch and just try to get that movement while he could. This time he, he marked the ball carrier. He's forcing his opponent to roll dice to dodge away. That's great, right? That's great. He's, he's forcing his opponent. To roll dice if he wants to dodge away, even if it's fairly safe, which it wasn't. But even if it's fairly safe, like say it's a a goblin who's stunty and has dodge, you're still making your opponent roll dice, right? And that's what you want to be doing in this game. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Right. It's it's That's something you have to learn as a Blood Bowl coach, which I think all the coaches in the league know at this point. But to newcomers to the game, make your opponent roll dice. If you learn nothing... Make your opponent roll dice. Make your opponent roll dice. Make your opponent roll dice, and that's what Clyfeus did here. And sure enough, bonsai legends would fare that fail that dodge. It'll happen.
1: Yeah, that was that was some good play,
0: <laughs> that was some Great play. Yeah, he had enough to be able to recover that ball, and that was a two-turn touchdown for a chaos dwarf team. That's disgusting, and I'm offended. <laughs> what do they think they're elves? <laughs> would be the score now. Uh, Bonsai Legends would have an opportunity yet again on offense here. and Nuffle would have a two-man player advantage at this point. So that's that's pretty good for them. Bonsai Legends uh, chose not to send any receivers down pitch. Maybe I am biased as an Elvin coach. But by not sending receivers down pitch, he's got a decent passing game. By not sending receivers down pitch... There's nothing down pitch for Nihide and Nuffel to have to defend against, and therefore there's no players they have to pull away from the ball carrier. So this allowed, in my opinion, Nihide and Nuffel to just descend on Banzai Legends. Should he have sent players down the pitch? Was there something else he could have done to spread out that defense?
1: The tough thing about an underworld team is each one of those players is so fragile, that, and he's down strength against, uh, against Nihide and Nuffel, so anyone that you send down pitch is going to easily get marked and just taken out really quickly.
0: Sure. I, I <laughs> as a wood elf coach, I, that is just part of business. <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> Send them down pitch. You might die, but <laughs> that's what you're there for. <laughs> w-
1: would you send them all down pitch though? If they had strength of two, mm, that's a tough call. That's a tough call. <laughs>
0: that's a tough call. Uh, Bonsai Legends would scoot the ball out to the right, right wide zone uh, after the pressure was applied by the defense, uh, but there was nobody pr- to protect the ball carrier against the blitz. And so the ball carrier would get blocked down. He'd get blitzed down by Kneehide and nuffle. Uh Bonsai Legends would recover the ball in the following turn. This is turn 13 at this point. He'd move the ball back to center pitch. Generally, that's where you want to be. That gives you the most movement options. But his offensive line has all but collapsed at this point. There was no pocket for that ball carrier. He's in a precarious situation at this point. Uh, and Nihide Nuffel was able to, to successfully blitz the ball carrier again, allowing them on the following turn to recover the ball. And remember, they had one TRR. They have not spent it yet, so they still have it, which was good on their part. Uh Good action order, good good plays to ensure that they didn't need to spend it uh when they didn't have to. So now, it's 2-1. to one. Bonsai Legends, two defensive touchdowns. Nehide Nuffle, one defensive touchdown. Nehide Nuffel somehow has this ball again. <laughs> again! Bonsai Legends down to seven players on the pitch. They take a YOLO uphill blitz on that ball carry. They had to. They got two both-down results. The ball carry had the black skull. You have to spend that re-roll. Spent the re-roll, his final re-roll, attacker down result, that's a turnover. Turn 15. Knee high to nuffle. Must be praising Nuffle at this point. Thank you, Nuffle, for the bounty you have given us. <laughs> for we are going to tie this ballgame where we were down! We couldn't score on our offense!
1: And then Hubris struck.
0: Oh, did it ever? <laughs> did it ever? Knee high to Nuffle. Would move toward the end zone. All right. Fine. Sure. They could have scored right then and there. No die rolls whatsoever. But they say, you know what? We're going to wait till turn 16. Okay. All right. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. Do it. Wait till turn 16. Not only did they wait till turn 16, they took a block first. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> On the final turn, They're one space away. They're not marked. All they have to do is walk the ball into the end zone to tie this game. Do you remember what they did? (laughs) They They handed off. Oh, man. They moved that bull center. (laughs) They tried to pick the ball up with this guy at the beginning of the game, and it failed a million times. I counted a million. (laughs) They tried to get the ball in his hands. This is a four plus. He has an AG of two. It's a four plus handoff. That's 50-50 odds. He has that reroll remaining. That's, that's a half of a half that he's adding, so that's 75%. 75% chance of succeeding on this handoff. That's not great odds. That's that's better than 50-50. But when it's when the whole game hinges on it, not great odds.
1: <laughs> when it's that last turn. Oh.
0: Boy. He uh, tried the handoff, and if you couldn't tell by the tone of my voice, he failed the handoff. <laughs> failed the handoff, lost this game. Do you think, I asked you earlier before, but I'm going to ask you again. Do you think this was worth that loss of the touchdown SPP period and the loss of the free re-roll that he would get uh, on, on the earnings?
1: Well, he wouldn't have gotten the reroll on the earnings if he had tied
0: for the draw that's fair that's fair
1: it was <laughs> i felt so bad for him but it was that absolute hubris moment where you're just like no don't tempt the fates and then he tempts <laughs> the fates
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah well they ended up losing that one i think knee hide is out of this competition at this point i'm not entirely sure but uh but we still, there's still two weeks left of them uh, murdering someone, so I look forward <laughs> to it.
1: Yeah, that was, that was one of the most entertaining games that we've had this uh, competition, I'll have to say. It was,
0: it was a lot of fun. So much fun to watch. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, second game in Division B was Genus Chaos at Tracksuit Mafia. This is two Chaos teams. Genus Chaos coached by War Horseman, Tracksuit Mafia coached by Merrick. He's the current leader in Division B. Uh, If we had Sweltering Heat in the last game, we had the polar opposite. No pun intended. Uh, In this game, a blizzard. We had a blizzard. Man, this game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I had a hard time telling what was going on.
0: (laughs) They do look very similar. (laughs) It was orange versus red.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and with the snow in the way, it was... uh... Yeah,
0: it's really tough to see who was who. Genus cast would be down on tv they would end up picking up a grashnak this is a a kill player now genus chaos is in a spot where they don't they're a cast team that doesn't have the skills they need they're up against tracksuit mafia who does have the skills they need do you think grashnak was a good pickup
1: oh absolutely we were talking about it last time and yeah he sounds like the best player for chaos to take if they can
0: fair enough uh he wanted to try to out murder tracksuit mafia i don't think he was in a position to out murder tracksuit mafia though
1: yeah but having that extra strength just really does help when you're when you're down that far
0: fair enough it certainly does extra strength is nice on turn one tracksuit mafia would be on offense and they would close most of their offense offense real tight real tight together do you think that was a mistake so so here's the thing right He's a chaos team. He's not a dwarven team, but he is a bashy team. He can be, he he can get away with being tight together, but he does have those kill skills, right? He does have claw and mighty blow. So I don't know. I'm kind of 50 50 on this. Like being so tight together allows the defense to encircle you and kind of stop you dead in your tracks. But the flip side is it means you're probably getting marks to use your kill skills with and take people off the pitch. What did, what did you think about him being so yeah, compacted? I
1: I feel like it was actually a good tactic for him. It gave him the extra time to try and get those kills off whenever possible. As I remember, it didn't quite work out for him.
0: <laughs> no. Cheetah's <laughs> chaos went way, way aggressive on the offense. We've seen War Horseman do this time and again. He loves to play this, ga- uh, this, this chaos team super aggressively. He just goes in, takes the marks. He says, come at me, bro. So he went in super aggressive with, uh, against the offense. He left absolutely nobody in the secondary. Uh, this gave Trexuit Mafia a wide open lane in the left wide zone. Uh, so Trexuit Mafia would take advantage of it. But Genus Chaos, somehow, I rewatched this game and I still don't understand how they did it, but they somehow were able to pull four players back into the secondary to play some defense. It's like they teleported into existence. <laughs> uh, I don't know how he saw that, uh, but he did it. So good job to him. I, I That was magic to me. I couldn't figure out how he went in so hard and players were just base to base. And then suddenly, magically, four players appear in the, in the back in the uh, backfield. Well, turn four, uh, Genus Pressure, Genus Chaos' Pressure, was able to be converted into a three die blitz on the ball carrier. This was something I didn't see either. This was with Grashnak, who's like this big, menacing minotaur. Uh, so good for him for seeing that. I did not identify that. He got the knockdown. I thought that was a really good job. So again, I, I'm off, I often, uh, I feel like I'm poo-pooing Genus Chaos's like super aggression a lot, uh, because it doesn't, it just doesn't match my playstyle. But here, I think you did, I mean, he kind of, in my own head at least, kind of shut me up. He was like, going <laughs> aggressive. Uh, I can get players back into the secondary when I need to. And I got, I got triple dice on the ball carrier. So well done. Well done by Genus Chaos. Uh, on turn five, uh, Genus Chaos really turned the defense around. They were behind the ball for a bit when Tracksuit Mafia moved down that lane. But then again, magically, they reformed their defense. They got their line back intact. They encircled tracksuit mafia. They did a really good job with positioning and action order to get this to happen. Do you think War Horseman is actually a wizard? Is that what's going on? <laughs> it's definitely a possibility. He did such a good job here. I, I just I couldn't understand. Like It was like next level to me. I was like... So I, I see the scrum and I'm like, oh god, everybody's tangled up. It's just going to be a fist fight from here on out. And then he just the defense blooms again. It was it was unreal. It was really it, it was magical to watch.
1: Uh, yeah, I I hate to see him playing as a dwarf team because he's really good at getting into those scrums and then just
0: knocking everyone out. That's actually a great point. He might he might actually be a devastating Dwarven coach. <laughs> Maybe we should cut that part. <laughs> if you're listening to War Horseman, don't, don't play Dwarves under any circumstances. <laughs> uh, and Dwarves are great right out of the gate. Like, they're just a good team at low TV, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, Genus Chaos would have an opportunity to free up the ball to make the grab here in the later bits, and later turns of this half. But in my opinion, took a bunch of actions out of order. Do you remember this sequence at all? Uh, I
1: do faintly. It kind of confused me what he was doing first when he had that possibility to grab the ball right there out in the open.
0: Yeah, I couldn't figure out. Uh, maybe he just didn't see it. Maybe maybe he's such a chaos coach that he was just red with rage. He's like, I'm going to block it. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on turn eight, he... Had himself in a better position, in fact, to block a Chaos Warrior with Grashnak himself to free up a down beastman to pick up the ball to hand off and to score. But instead, he tried to pick up the ball with a Chaos Warrior and then went for a pass, which I think audibly on stream, I was like, wow! <laughs> uh, Chaos. Do you, think- <laughs> do you think it's just just him not, not seeing the opportunity?
1: Yeah, it could have been. It could have been just some salt from... Uh- the previous turn or
0: fair enough uh genus chaos would be on offense in the second half the weather would clear up so that's nice uh genus chaos would pu- i didn't understand this either genus chaos would put two journeyman back to receive the kickoff i think that's just a straight up error what do you think
1: yeah i agree not having reliable rerolls on the ball pickup definitely makes stuff tough
0: yeah, and it would end up biting him later. He'd take a lot of marks, again, as as is typical for his play style. But he'd leave the ball carrier fairly exposed in the... Uh, I think it was actually the left wide zone. Uh, and that allowed Tracksuit Mafia to secure half the pitch, like like longitudinally. And, and pitch control is a big part of this game. So now that Tracksuit Mafia does not have to defend half the pitch, that makes their defense that much stronger uh, we talk about this with movement options a lot. When you have more movement options, the defense has to spread out to account for that. But Genus Chaos uh, gave up half that pitch and Tracksuit Mafia took it. Genus Chaos would end up getting cornered in the in the left wide zone. And then on turn 11, uh, they'd run out of movement options and they really had no choice but to take a half cage down the left sideline.
1: Yeah. Was this when Grashnek was kind of sitting around by himself? Yeah. <laughs> down <laughs> yeah. Down the pitch? I was... I was really kind of curious about that, because if I had spent that much on him, I'd probably want to be, like, blitzing with him every turn.
0: Yeah, Grashnak just, like, noped out of the game. (laughs) He went down the right wide zone and just hung out by himself for a couple turns. I I wasn't sure what the plan was there. But he didn't, he actually ended up not setting up the half cage on the left sideline. I think he just didn't see it. Uh, He went for the pass instead. Maybe he just really likes passes. I don't know. (laughs) But... That journeyman came to bite him. Uh, he failed that loner roll. The ball would scatter out of bounds on an inaccurate pass. It would scatter deep into Mafia territory. Because of the aggressive uh, tracksuit Mafia defense where they, they shut off half that pitch, they couldn't really get back to the ball to secure it. So on turn 11, uh, same turn, tracksuit Mafia would pick up the ball. But what are they going to do? <laughs> well, apparently, they're going to try a long pass. the elf maneuver (laughs) oh my goodness five plus long pass but this this works out (laughs) this works out uh boy (laughs) boy that would work out they'd end up scoring on that that would go up one to zero on turn 12 genus chaos would uh take a blitz with the journeyman this is prior to the score uh they'd spend the reroll on the failed dodge that would work out but then they'd fail the blitz with the both down result uh the journeyman would get ko'd but the ball carrier would get injured with a fractured skull. So a fractured skull reduces your AV from 8 to 7. I th- I mean, that's a great ch- trade for Genus Chaos. And uh, that ball carrier, probably not going to stay on this roster, right? Probably going to be kicked ASAP. Yeah, yeah. AV 7 is not a lot. And <laughs> when you get injured, your your team value for that player does not decrease. So that's just a player that's cost too much at that point. Uh, after a bit of a tussle tracksuit mafia would recover the ball on turn 13 they'd score on turn 15 they'd get a death on a foul they took a foul they had uh two assists with it that's always a good foul uh Grashnak, <laughs> another star player who was an mvp this time for genus gass unfortunately
1: oh that's painful <laughs> yeah especially since he was out chewing cud for a couple turns there <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, he's not the MVP at all. <laughs> Genus Chaos would only pick up two SPP at the end of this game. Uh, Trexen Mafia won one to zero. Uh, what do you think about this game?
1: Oh, that was that was a tough one to watch for me. I yeah. I really wanted to see some more death on both sides, but <laughs> <laughs> especially
0: Chaos versus Chaos. Yeah, It was, yeah. Uh, I'd like. I'd like a little more murder, please. <laughs> there was
1: a lot of chaos involved, so <laughs> I guess it was. At least you uh,
0: get
1: that. <laughs> it was what it said on the
0: tin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The final final game of the week uh, would be pity the ghoul at Petting Zoo Players. This was oh, Dead Fred's... This was this was
1: the most exciting game of probably the season. I think.
0: Yeah. This was uh, Dead Fred's necro team at. Doug, the Minotaur's Dark Elf team. So two pretty good teams. Petting Zoo players is a new team to the season. So they had Petty Cash to spend. They picked up a wizard, two babes, and Roxanna. That was a really good pickup. That was a great pickup. I never heard of Roxanna. Nor had I. (laughs) Petting Zoo players would leave the wide zones open on defense and Pitigal would start on offense. Uh, We've seen Petting Zoo players get aggressive on defense before. There was no change here. Got super aggressive on defense. Got behind the offensive line with that killer Dark Elf speed. On turn two, however, Pity the Ghoul would say, no, sir. And would uh, knock out the Witch Elf, which was a great, great knockout for Pity the Ghoul.
1: That was such a good knockout.
0: Yeah, the Witch Elf is one of the key players on that roster, so... A good identification by Penny the Ghoul. We've seen Dead Fred just play a killer competition. Man, like, he's scary. That team is
1: so well-skilled up, too. If he doesn't get in the Blood Bowl, I'll be really surprised.
0: (laughs) I'll be angry. (laughs) If anybody's (laughs) taking out these Lizardmen, it's going to be Penny the Ghoul. (laughs) On turn two, Penny Zoo players would cast their Fireball early. I don't think this is a bad play because they would end up with seven people! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, that was it was such a big group up. I kind of wonder if Pity the Ghoul forgot that there was a wizard in play.
0: He had to have. They had to have. Seven players in a 3 by 3 grid. Petting Zoo player says, all right, light them up. But only gets one knockout and one KO. <laughs> that was a little disappointing, <laughs> I have to imagine. But he would still convert that into a good blitz by Roxana on the ball carry. He'd get the knockdown. But the ball would scatter to pity the ghoul's white on turn four pity the ghoul would react by getting a frenzy surf with the werewolf that's a good use of frenzy if you see a player that's two spaces away from the sideline you can surf him off the pitch and that's exactly what he did but speaking of good identification
1: Oh, that counter surf was brilliant man
0: was it doug the minotaur so the werewolf stayed on the sideline and moved behind another player for some semblance of protection. And Doug the Minotaur said, oh, you think you're safe? You're not safe. Let me show you how not safe you are. He sets up the surf himself and he surfs the wolf with Roxanna. Not only does he surf the wolf, this was Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo! <laughs> he kills Scooby-Doo on the surf. That's a great, great trade. Surf for surf. Man, <laughs> such a good identification by Doug the Minotaur, and then he leaps Roxana away to safety. Just I'm going to murder Scooby, and then I'm jumping away. Ha ha! <laughs> Man,
1: I have a feeling if it was me, I would have leapt away only to uh, kill myself on the landing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as it goes, <laughs>
0: I've, I've been on the receiving end of many a failed leap. <laughs> Uh, with 36 players left on the pitch for Petting Zoo players, uh, they'd end up losing one more, in fact, on turn eight. They'd lose Roxana to a KO. Uh, Petting the goal would score on turn eight, and they'd take the lead at the half 1-0. to zero. Pretty good first half. Pretty exciting first half. Pretty well played by both coaches, I think. Uh, Petting Zoo players would have one turn left, and excitedly, he would try to set up for the one-turn touchdown. Couldn't make it work, but... This was super fun to see, right? So you can set up for a one-turn touchdown. The way it works is you figure out who's going to be the ball carrier. You take their movement, probably take their GFIs into into account, and then you subtract that from the total amount of spaces they would need to move to get into the end zone. How do you get those extra spaces is the question. Well, you get them by chain blocking. So the idea is that the ball's going to be picked up by somebody on the uh, kickoff receive team, it's going to throw it to the ball carrier and then you're going to set up a series of chain blocks where you push, you get behind the defensive line to uh, usually start with a blitz. And you'll block them into your players so that you can chain push them all the way around to your ball carrier who's up on the line, usually on the outside of the line, and push them up the number of spaces they need. Typically, it's three space, two or three spaces that they'll need. This is what he tried to do here. Super fun to watch. It didn't work out, but man, I'm I'm eagerly awaiting the first.
1: I think he got a knockdown on the first one where he needed yeah, he did. just a push, yeah,
0: and a pitch oh. invasion or a, or a rock or something. Oh, but that was that was fun to watch. Uh, in the second half, uh, Zoo players would pull back on turn nine. This is sort of that DACA maneuver we've mentioned uh, last week. Uh, he'd pull back for just a turn, and that's because Pity the Ghoul would not come chasing him down. Pretty the goal would advance a few steps. He kept three spaces off the offense and instead set up two deep, a two-deep screen across the pitch. I thought this was brilliant by dead friend. Oh, he said, absolutely. Right? That
1: was like the perfect defense for that. For the so way good. I, yeah. That he was doing that offense.
0: So good. So smart. Oh. But you want to talk about smart? I mean, these, these coaches, <laughs> man. The surf. To the counter surf, the movement, the, the counter movement. Pity the Ghoul does not fall into this trap. He sets up this great defense. And then Doug the Minotaur says, yeah, that's a great defense. Let me show you a little problem. With <laughs> it. He, uh, Pity the Ghoul set up the screen so that he was one space off the left sideline. He puts his flesh golem in the front, which is usually totally safe because that flesh golem has stand firm. If you block him down, he can elect to go nowhere. Cool. He's got a strength of four. Cool. What are you gonna do? Well, what you're gonna do is you're gonna use Roxana, who has Juggernaut.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was so good. So good. Gosh,
0: man. He would use Roxanna to he would leverage her juggernaut, get her in there, he'd get that surf on the flesh golem. I think it was Mr. Rogers, and then she'd just run away to safety. What a good identification. What a he pinpointed this expert top tier blitz i was so impressed by this i was in awe <laughs> uh, yeah man chess
1: match of the year i think
0: <laughs> i agree man so good such a good game uh petty players would eventually break through the defense as elves do they will break through eventually good play by petty zoo players uh, recognizing that they can't give up a drive to pity the ghoul uh pity the ghoul is not a slow team he still has a werewolf left. Instead of scoring early, he said, you know what? He identified the fact that he needed to try to play for the tie. Uh, so when he opened that hole to get the ball carrier down pitch, he moved like half his team down through that hole as well. Got that team between the ball carrier and the defense. And the Mets set up the stall until until turn 16. I thought that was super smart.
1: Yeah, I agree. It was brilliant stuff to watch.
0: <laughs> On turn 13, Petting Zoo players had a uh, a three man player advantage. Uh, and I think that's really what allowed them to stall until turn 16. They'd end up scoring on turn 16. The game would end in a tie one to one. You've already said a little bit what you thought of this game, but pretty good, right? Oh, yeah.
1: I've been eagerly anticipating talking about this one. It was just brilliant play on both coaches' behalf. And to see a, a new star player that I hadn't really experienced before do so well was a lot of fun. And just the surfs were. <laughs> so great! <laughs> I really wouldn't have expected a flesh golem to get surfed.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> I think... he thought he was safe. <laughs> I would have thought I was safe.
0: <laughs> this this really was a chess match. This felt like watching two chess grandmasters go at it, and it ended in a draw. We don't know who the victor was. <laughs> Uh, I generally think this is a game that that people should watch and like learn from like this is just such a good game to you would learn so much you're like oh oh that's a risk oh that's a risk oh I can't do that oh I can do that uh just watching two really excellent coaches go at it with two really excellent teams and watching them use them to their fullest advantage uh th- this is this is a game that I will come back to just a study
1: yeah Some- brilliant defense brilliant
0: offense just fun all around all right we've got about five minutes remaining uh at the time of recording we're about to have uh, a double header to start up here uh what are your final thoughts on week three and your uh your thoughts on week four
1: it was it was a really fun week to watch um we do have some really good games in week four that we do <laughs> that we i'm looking do. forward to talking about those I'll have to say I'm a little worried about my game tonight because I am up against the Womb Guardians with all that strength.
0: So oh,
1: we'll see what you happens. Are. You are. <laughs> uh, I think
0: we're at a point in the competition. Uh, I don't think they're technically out, but I think I think we've weeded out four of the teams at this point. We're in week four. There's two weeks left. Uh, I think that brings us down to eight teams of the 12 who are still vying for the top two spot. And as we mentioned, you're still at the top spot of Division A. Ha! How are you feeling about your chances of making it to the semifinals?
1: I feel lucky that I got this far, but I don't know. I've had enough fun that even if I don't make it, I'm ha- totally happy with it.
0: Oh, that's a what a good sport you are. Boo!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just glad I got to kill some elves. There you (laughs) go! There you go! (laughs) Uh,
0: You're currently in first place in Division A. Tate to Cocktails, uh, that's Malik's chaos team. They're in second place in Division A. Jingles All the Way is just on their tail. Uh, They're in third by a touchdown. So it's still anybody's ballgame in Division A. In Division B, Tracksuit Mafia is comfortably in first place with Bonsai Legends... Berserker Tempest's Underworld team, they are in second. Pity the Ghouls in third, Petting Zoo players in fourth. That is a close competition as well. It's 10 points to six, five, and four. It's going to be an exciting week four, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I honestly don't know who's going to make it. I think Tracksuit Mafia is probably secure at this place at this point. Um, I, I don't know about anyone else. I don't know anyone else. I, I honestly, I don't know who the other three teams are going to be.
1: Man, I'm really looking forward to knee versus petting zoo. That, yeah. That's going to be a game to watch. <laughs> that is. all that. All tackle. right.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for joining me as always. Thank you for having me. We'll see you back here for, uh, for the week four episode. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk about your upcoming game that, uh, at the time of this recording is coming up shortly. Good luck to you. Uh, tonight. I, uh, you're you're tonight right you're tonight yes. after, after after uh versus zoo players versus and yeah
1: which is definitely gonna <laughs> be a fun one to
0: watch <laughs> well, i'm excited to watch it yeah so thanks thanks for joining me and uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about week four next week great thanks That'll do it for this episode. You can watch the Mid-Atlantic Mauling League on Twitch at twitch.tv evaunit 2 That's E-V-A-U-N-I-T, the letter O, the number 2. And watch Archive Games on YouTube at Blood Bowl M-A-M-L. Be sure to check us out on the web at mammal.club. That's M-A-M-L dot You can also follow us on Twitter at bloodbowl underscore mammal or on Facebook at Blood Bowl Mammal. Play Blood Bowl! You can play Blood Bowl online via Cyanide Studios' Blood Bowl 2, or in tabletop form via your friendly local game store. Be kind to each other, forgive everyone, praise Nuffle, and may he bless your dice.